Young women have been growing up with an indoctrination of what womanhood is and what it should be. They've been taught everything that is in direct opposition to the Word of God. Young women who want to be different from the world are rare, but they are real. On this Rare But Real podcast, Audrey Brogy will often be joined by her daughter, Grace Anna, and her daughters-in-law, Maureen, Kesset, and Marilyn, who desire to be discerning in a day when everything seems to go against God's design. Join them in the journey of becoming rare but real. It takes courage and conviction. And now, Audrey Brogy. Hey, I'm so glad to be back for this episode two of the Rare But Real podcast. Um, Last time we were all together, all my girls were here because everyone was here for Thanksgiving. And so we stole away some time and got in the garage and um, put together our very first podcast. And last time you heard from each one of them. And today you will only hear from me, but I'm going to talk about each one of them. And I'm going to get started with that in just a few minutes. But before I do that, I want to tell you about ways that you can listen to um, a lot of the things that are out there that I've taught and that um, I've done over the years. And the first thing I want to let you know about is the Search the Scriptures app. And if you will get that on your phone or uh, wherever you listen to things, um, you'll be able to hear messages that I've taught in our women's ministry at church. When you uh, get that app, um, on your, when you get it, um, you'll see that it's my husband's ministry, his radio ministry, his teaching ministry as a senior pastor in our church. And then when you first click on it, you'll see at the bottom, there is a little a place that's called Woman's Life. And if you click that, then you all the messages that I have taught will pop up. Well, I shouldn't say all of them, but the ones that are up, there's many that are up and you can listen to the different series that I have taught. There's also an MFTH tab on there, MFTH, which stands for Mothering from the heart. And uh, if you click on that, you can listen to radio programs. Um, Because I've done a call-in talk show um, for a long time. My husband uh, put it together, basically said, I think you need to go on the air and uh, do a call-in radio program. He's always done a, uh, he what he does is the Bible line. And so um, a number of years ago, when my kids were growing up, he had me go on and do it. And I would take the kids with me and they would sit there in the radio station, do their schoolwork, and I would do the program. And um, of course, for a lot of women, they weren't, well, they, they would call in, but for a lot of them, they listen. They don't really call in, but they send uh, questions via email and now with messaging and through Instagram and through the Facebook page and all that stuff. And so you can listen to those programs. And I've done that for so many years. And most of the things that I cover and the questions that women ask, they're not um, dated in the sense that women in every generation have the same thoughts. They have the same questions. They wonder the same things. Um, And so I cover so many different things and you'll hear from so many different women. So I want to tell you about that so that you have a way to uh, listen. Um, And then I also have a Mothering from the Heart Instagram page 
page, um, which would love, I'd love for you to go on um, Instagram and give that a follow. And I try to keep up with um, posting about when I'm teaching at our church, what I, what I'm teaching. I try to post encouraging things. My daughter runs that Instagram page with me and she posts so many wonderful, encouraging posts on there um, that will help you as you are raising your family. There's also a Mothering from the Heart Facebook page, and you can give that a follow. And I try to put lots of things up there when I teach. I put the messages there. Sometimes I just randomly put a an encouraging post that the Lord has put on my heart. Same thing for my daughter. She will put things on there um, that will be encouraging to you. So I want to tell you about those things um, so you can uh, be in touch and hear and listen and be encouraged as you walk with the Lord and want to seek Him as you do the things you do, whether you're a mom, whether you're a single woman, no matter where you are, whatever season of life you're in, I certainly want to be an encouragement to you. And, um, and of course, now we have this podcast, the second episode, and we titled this Rare But Real. I think I said it last time a little bit on the podcast, but um, I, the women in our church wanted for a long time to have my daughter and my daughters-in-law uh, come and share at a women's event. So we did that in the fall of 2020, and I don't know, the Lord just kind of put it on my heart, uh, Rare But Real, um, because the whole theme of, of I look at my daughter and I look at now my three daughters-in-law and I think they really are a rare breed today. You know, when you first start having your children, you pray for them, your own children, that they would um, come to know the Lord at an early age, that they would start grasping the biblical truths that you teach them, that you get the word of God into them and you pray, pray, pray on your face, on your knees. You're always praying that you would be faithful to the Lord to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, as Ephesians 6 tells us, and you're always um, trusting God that he will be faithful to you and faithful in their lives. And um, and one of the things that you pray for, not only for them personally, but you pray for their spouses one day because you have the long view in mind. You, If, if you're a believer, you know that uh, life is um, just a vapor, that we're here for a little while and then we're gone. But the life that we live while we're here is so incredibly important. It matters how we spend our days and our time. And so I found myself, Carl, and me, uh, we found ourselves always praying for the moms and the dads that were raising our uh, future daughters-in-law and future son-in-law, that he would be helping them and coming alongside and and that he would be um, working in the lives of these uh, people that would one day be a part of our family, should the Lord will. And so I'm so thankful that um, God kept uh, just kept my daughter protected her. He helped Carl and me as we raised her. And then he helped um, the parents of my daughters-in-law and that he worked into their lives and accomplished wonderful things in their lives. And so as God brought each one of them into our family, I've just been so blown away and so grateful for the type of women that they are. And I will share a little bit more about them Um you know, as as we're as I move through this podcast, doing it by myself today, um, but I want to talk about them, and uh, but I also want to um, share that. Um, 
you know, it's a a strange time that we're living in. You know, there's so much um, turmoil in our world. There's so much fear that we that's been pushed upon us in our world. And um, and one of the things that um, I've always reminded young women at our church is that no matter what time of um, no matter what time in the world that God has has you born, that you're growing up in, that he is faithful in that particular generation. And even though we have so much to fear as we look across the landscape of our world and what's happening here, um, we have to, sometimes I remind them of Jochebed, who was the mother of Moses and all that she had to fear and all that she had to face that was happening in the day and age in which she lived. And then at the time when God brought his son into the world um, and, and all the turmoil that was in the world then, and it was at those particular times that God brought Moses, and then he brought Jesus. He brought them into a troubled world, and they were going to do great things for him and be used of him greatly. Obviously, Moses is a great leader to the children of Israel, and he brought them out of slavery and and the way he uh, worked in his life. And of course, our Savior, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, God, um, God brought him into the world to pay the penalty for our sins, to go to the cross, and then to rise again in our behalf. And both the them were born at troubling times uh, in history. And so um, that should serve as a great reminder to us that God is always working and he's always moving and he's always um, faithful um, to do what he wants to do in every single generation. So now I want to share with you a little bit about um, my girls. Um, the first one I'll talk about, of course, is is our daughter, Um you know, when I was pregnant with her, she's the third. Uh, we have five children, and she, and I have two boys before her, and then two boys after her. And she, um, when when I was pregnant with her, I had uh, a, a placenta abruptio, is what it was called, is where the placenta tears um, apart from the uterine wall, and that happened at about four months into the pregnancy, and um, and so I went to the, it was very frightening, we were living in Texas at the time, we had moved from North Carolina to Texas for my husband to go to seminary, and it was in the summer, it was not long after we had moved there that this happened, and of course I went to the hospital, and they told us the terrible news, and the doctor at that time told me that we would probably lose this baby, um, and that I would probably just go into labor, and I would probably lose her. And he and I still remember him saying, "I would rather you be um, utterly surprised than utterly disappointed if she makes it." And the reason he was saying she at the time is because obviously doing the ultrasound, they didn't do them routinely back in those days, but they did that um, to see what was going on and what was causing the bleeding and saw the the tremendous stress she was under. Um, Not her personally, because her heart was beating, it was strong, everything looked good for her, but because of what usually happens in these kinds of situations, um, there's nothing you can do to prevent it or to stop it, and that's what he told me would probably happen. However, the Lord had different plans for our daughter, and um, I remember um, them uh, doing so many things to try to help me and to keep me stable, Um, and then I remember I was put on bed rest because the bleeding had stopped, and then they told me not to do anything except to go to the bathroom and and take a shower, but don't do anything else, and 
Of course, I had two little active toddler boys at home during that time. And so the Lord was very kind and gracious and provided um, a teenage girl down the street who came and we hired her to come and um, take care of the boys because I was at home because I didn't know her until this happened, but to take care of them and, um, and, and to be there for me during the day while Carl was gone. And it was a wonderful time in her life and in my life, even though I was very scared during that time period. Sometimes I was so afraid that even if I turned on the bed or turned on the sofa, I was afraid I was going to do something to hurt my baby girl. But God was kind and he was gracious and he had plans for my daughter. And it was not in his um, plan to take her life at that point. It was more in his plan at that time to do so much in my own life and in my husband's life to uh, help us grow and mature and and learn so many things that we needed to learn during that time, not to mention this gal uh, down the street became a believer. And uh, so that was another very positive thing that came out of that. But then Grace Anna was due in November, but as Providence would have it. In October, my water broke, and I uh, went to the hospital the early part of October. And um, and then when I went there, they were doing everything at that point to keep me out of labor because my body was trying to go into labor, but they gave me some medication called betamethasone and um, to stop the progression and Anyway, to make the a long story short, she was in the, you know, we were able to keep the labor away for 10 days, and then she was born on October 15th, which was almost six weeks early, but God had um, prepared her lungs and, and taken care of her in utero, so when she was born, she was perfectly healthy, even though they had a whole NICU team in there ready um, to help with things that might have been wrong with her. She was absolutely perfect. So the Lord was very gracious. And it was during that time as well, we'd already knew that we were going to name our baby girl Grace. But um, during those 10 days when I was in the hospital and going, um, I don't know, being kind of fearful, but at the same time, fully trusting the Lord and and God taking care of Carl and our two little boys at home. But um as I was thinking about her name, um, I then started thinking how I wanted to her to have a double name. Um, you know, it's kind of a Southern thing and I uh, didn't know what, but um, as I was looking through the baby name book and putting, trying to put different names together, I saw Anna and I saw that Anna means grace. And I remember just thinking the Lord has kept us this far and kept her safe this far that she really is um, double grace. And so Grace Anna, we, I told, you know, my husband and I talked about it and we were like, oh, this is her, this is her, this is her, this is her. She's a double grace. She's a reflection of the double grace of God. And so after she was born, of course, we had decided on that name and we were going to name her that no matter what. And, um, and that became her name. And I kind of had to train people over the years. It's a double name, but it's only three syllables. It's Grace Anna. And, um, and we wrote it all together with no space between Grace and Anna, but with a capital A. Um, so that's her name. And she has certainly lived up to that name. Sometimes I tell people, and in fact, I was telling someone just recently that I didn't really deserve my daughter because she's um, she's just such a model of, of 
Christian womanhood. She's filled with grace and she's gracious and she's got a heart that beats for the Lord. And she's all these years has been a pleasure to raise. Um, and, uh, she's, she, I I remember one time when she was growing up and, um, I think she was about, maybe she was 12. I'm not, I don't exactly remember. I probably wrote it down in a journal somewhere and I could probably look at the date, but I do remember we had spent the day together and we had been shopping. She needed some shoes and some clothes and we've been doing that together. And we had, um, I don't know. We've been laughing about a lot of things and it was just a great day. We talked about the Lord. We talked about all, you know, God's plans for her. We just talked about so many different things. And I remember when we drove into our driveway in the evening, um, it was dusk. And, um, and I just remember her looking over at me and saying, you know what? I bet if we grew up together, we would just be best friends. And I remember how um, much that meant to me, the look on, I still can see her face uh, in my mind. And, um, and when she expressed that and no, and here's the thing, you know, I was her mom as she was growing up, her authority, the one who's correcting her, the one who's teaching her, the one who's training her, the one who's pouring into her life and asking the Lord to help me be a role model for her and that I wouldn't fail at this, that God would help me, help me, help me. And then to know that today she is just a best friend to me. And um, yes, she's my daughter, but one of the greatest gifts of growing older and having your children be adults is they really do become your friends. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, So anyway, so that's a little bit about my daughter. And she, you know, she said last time she married a young man named Grant and Castleberry and they he's a pastor and so now she's a pastor's wife so we share that as well too and and God has been so kind for me to be able to help her and encourage her in this role and um and I'm just thankful for that as well so that's a little bit about her now the next one is my daughter-in-law Maureen and um she married my second child, my second son, Jordan. Um, And I've known Maureen since she was nine years old. And that's such a gift as well, because she, um, I don't know, I met her because I, um, during the summer, uh, many, all that time when she was nine, um, uh, a neighbor of mine had come up and uh, told us that there was a farmer on the other side of the bridge, actually just like a mile from our house, but he was uh, had planted strawberries and he needs, needed some help um, getting those strawberries in. And this man thought about my boys because they had done work for him, you know, as as boys are uh, nine and 10 and 11, they like to get neighborhood jobs. And so they had done work for him. And he said he told the farmer about my boys. He said they're hard workers, and they would do a good job helping you pick these strawberries. And so he told me and so then he gave me the man's name and the man's number. And I had my sons call him to I asked them first, would you like to do this, you know, after you do your schoolwork and all that stuff, maybe it's something you could do. And um, so they called him 
and he actually had them come. He, he wanted them to come up, and he said he would give them a try. And he was so impressed with how hard they worked that he did hire them to uh, pick strawberries. And then that came, you know, developed into a summer job where they helped him with his other crops in the summer, which was really great. Now, the interesting thing about this farmer is he's the dad of Maureen. He's Maureen's dad. And so they we've met the family that way. And, um, and then, of course, when our boys were working up there at the farm, they got to know... Um, Brad's children, and uh, and then of course Jordan and Maureen. I think they liked each other. Well, I think I know Jordan kind of had the eye for Maureen even at nine years old. Thought she was super cute, and um, and I knew there was a little bit more than earning some money of why they were so eager to go up there uh, and work at the farm. But that's how it began with her, and then um, we became great friends with Maureen's parents, and um, and it was through our friendship that. Um, they came to know the Lord, and then they came, started coming to our church, and um, and Maureen from the first, from the earliest days of my being in her life, um, she, I just saw that she had a heart for the Lord. She had come to Christ through a little Christian school that she was going to at the time, but then when they started coming to our church and started hearing the Bible taught, because my husband's such a great Bible teacher, um, they started growing, and then I was teaching the middle school and high school girls and Maureen was in my class and um, I don't know I was impressed with her early on and her sisters as well I would taught them as well and um, but she would sometimes ask me hard questions she would say hey can I talk to you about something or she would send me notes or or she would whenever we were at church she would pull me to the side and ask me questions and then we started doing things together um, I would with her and her sister sometimes I would um take them shopping or, you know, just different things like that. And then, uh, and on top of that, we had their family over to our house all the time, or we went over there and we would, you know, they would stay late into the night. We'd play games and do all kinds of stuff. And then during that time frame, it's like when you start noticing, oh, I think that Jordan and Maureen like each other. We started calling it, uh, I, st I still to this day, sometimes I will laugh with Maureen and say, oh yeah, when y'all started talking, because that's what we called it, they were talking. But they got to know each other through our family's interactions, and which I thought was great. And um, and then little by little that blossomed, and um, we allowed them to, um, you know, they could talk on the phone sometimes, doors had to be open, they could, Maureen was with us a lot a lot of family things that we did she she loved being in our house and I loved having her a part of our family and she and Grace Anna would you know even earlier before that she and Jordan were a thing she and Grace Anna played together I mean I still have memories of them up in Grace Anna's room playing dream dollhouse and um which is just so neat the way the Lord um, provided all of those kinds of things and um and then little by little Jordan and Maureen you know really liked each other. And then I remember even at um, church, uh, you know, people would think they were brother and sister, which I thought was great. And I used to say, like, I hope they always think you're brother and sister. I was so thankful for the way they respected one another. They both had such uh, hearts for the Lord. They memorized God's word together. They We had Bible studies in our home for teens. For well, I shouldn't say for teens. We did some of that. I did some of that with just girls. But I also, Carl and I also had one with just um, Brad's kids. 
kids, Brad and Colleen's kids, I should say Colleen, because she's still to this day one of my closest friends. But um, they would, uh, you know, we would have a Bible study just with their kids. Um, we went through the the uh, just the basics of the Christian life and and things like that. So that was really great. And um, and then of course um, they're talking to one another blossomed into an engagement and then it blossomed into them getting married. And, and it's just, you know, I've always felt like Maureen was like another daughter. I only had one daughter, but because God was so kind to give me a, a, um, the, to know Maureen as early as nine years old, it was like having another girl in the family from that, um, from that early stage, even though in the beginning she was just a friend of the family, but then later became my son's wife. So that's been just great. And, and, you know, even after they were married and, and even to this day, Maureen and I, when we talk, we talk about the Lord, we talk about what he's doing in our lives. We've, um, She'll still ask me questions, and of course, she's grown into be to be such a, a young woman filled with wisdom that I ask her things, and I've watched her. Um, I've just watched her grow. I've watched God do so many things in her life, and seeing her and my son walk through very hard things with her being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and then, and then, um, in 2016, the Lord taking our granddaughter, their little girl home to be with him and seeing um, how God has worked so mightily in their lives and in their children's lives. I'm so thankful um, for her. And uh, and she's rare, but real. Grace Ann is rare, but real. Um, and to know that God has been faithful um, with both of them and keeping them and knowing that both of their hearts beat for the Lord. And then the next one, my daughter-in-law, Kessid, um, she's married to my oldest son, as she shared on the episode one. But now you get to hear from me a little bit about that. Um, you know, when you're, ra- again, as I said earlier, when you're raising your children, you're always praying for their spouses if the Lord wants them to be married, that God would bring the spouse at the right time. And, you know, with Grace Anna, as I was, as she was growing up, we always talked about boys and the relationships that you should or shouldn't have. And, and she talked to me about all that kind of stuff. And as you raise your boys, I was always telling them, um, you know, what to look for in a, in a a godly girl, what, what, what that should be like. And I always tried to model before them the kind of woman that, um, would be, you know, that they would want. Um, I didn't want to, I don't know. I just wanted to be a good role model for them, but, um, not in terms of them imitating me, but in terms of them knowing, uh, how to choose a godly, uh, woman. And, but at the same time, when, once they got out on their own, now it was a little bit different with Jordan because, you know, he knew Maureen, early on. So I was, I guess, more involved in that in the beginning. But then when my sons who, who, uh, hadn't, um, who left home and I knew they'd be meeting all kinds of uh, girls, I just prayed for them. And I always told them, I'm not going to nose around in your life, but at the same time, I want you to know that this is outside of your personal relationship with the Lord. The most important thing to me is who you marry, because, you know, a wife is going to help you or she's going to hinder you. She's going to be on your team or she's going to just break you down. She's going to build you up or she's going to tear you down. Um, she, and I, so I have been 
you know, I was praying for them in that realm forever. And I said, so I won't be nosing around in your life, but I care about that just because I don't always ask you. And I didn't want to be one of those moms who was always saying, so are you dating anybody? So are you dating anybody? So what's going on with your love life? I didn't want to do that with my boys. I just told them that, but that I would talk to them and want to be available to them. And of course, I might ask that on occasion, but um, I would not be nosy in that particular area of their lives. Anyway, so Jeremy went to college and and uh, and then at some point um, he met Kessid. And um, and you can always tell as a mom, it's like, I don't know, you get this feeling, oh, there's somebody in my son's life. And I had this feeling there's somebody in my son's life. And um, and then there was this particular Labor Day when he caught he was on his way back to D.C. and he called me and we just talked for a long time on the phone. And he began to tell me about this young woman named Kessid. And uh, of course, I had not met her yet. And, um, but I could tell from hearing him and the things he was sharing that this was somebody that, um, that he would probably marry. I could just tell, um, and I had already had a feeling that he was, um, uh, thinking about someone and that someone was in his life. I just didn't know who she was and I hadn't met her yet, but I did meet her in, uh, the spring of 2007 and um, she, he brought her here to Beaufort, and as soon as I met her, I loved her. And here's the thing. It's like I knew if my son loved her, then I knew I would love her. Um, and I don't know. I just... I don't know. I just felt a kinship with her right away. And, um, and then as I got to know her and hearing her heart, I could tell that she was perfect for Jeremy, that Jeremy was perfect for her. And, um, and I'm just very grateful. She's another one that's rare, but real. And it's, I don't know, Kessit, I know you'll probably be listening to this podcast, but, um, you have just been such a blessing in my life to, to meet you, um, after you're an adult and uh, but then to get to know your parents and get to know a little bit about your family you just have been the answer to prayer and so I'm so grateful for what God has done and I'm grateful for the relationship that God has given uh, given to me with you and um, and you know I, I heard my daughter say one time how I think she said it at um, I want to say it was at uh, Jeremy and Kessid's rehearsal dinner. Um, but I remember she said something about how, um, your, that her brothers chose her sisters for her. And so I feel that way as a mom that my sons have chosen daughters for me. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for Kessid too. I've already said this about Grace Anna and about Maureen, but it's true. Kessid's heart beats for the Lord. And the thing that I have loved even uh, so much about having these girls is I see Kessid and I see Maureen and I see Grace Anna and they're raising their children with such in, um, with such in, uh, intention, this intentional mothering. They are pouring into their lives. They're giving them the things that are important. They are helping them memorize scripture. They are talking them to them about um, how you walk in this life, about how things can be hard, but who God is. I've witnessed them all doing this, and I see the fruit of it in their children. And so I'm so grateful 
for that, for each one of them in that realm. And then the next one is Marilyn. And, um, you know, <laughs> she's the newest to our family, and she's married to my youngest son, uh, Jameson. They got married in April. And I've often told her that one of the blessings of COVID, and there have been many blessings of COVID, but um, when everything started being shut down uh, in the in March of 2020, um, one of the blessings is I really got to know her. Now, Jameson, um, you know, started... Uh, he was dating her before he told me about it. But again, it's this thing. I just kind of had a feeling um, he's dating somebody, but I didn't know who or what. Or I shouldn't say what, but I didn't know who yet. Um, but then at some point when he was home in the, uh, in the summer, um, I just I, I did ask him. I said, so are you dating someone? And he said, why do you ask? And I said, because I just have this feeling um, that you are. And uh, anyway, I met her that summer, and um, and I and I liked her right away as well. Just right away, I thought, oh, I really like her. And um, and then as time progressed, because that was in the summer of 2019, and then as time progressed, and then uh, COVID happened. Um, then she got to come to, cause she was work. I mean, she was working, um, she was finishing up college and she had a job and all this, but because colleges were shut down, you could work remotely. So she was able to come and stay here. And I got to know her, um, and in ways that I probably wouldn't have gotten to know her, but we spent mornings together drinking coffee and talking before she would be teaching her, her student classes and before she would be working, you know, taking some of her other classes. And, um, and then we would, uh, go for walks together and we would just spend time together um, because she was here and was able to be here. And then Jameson, you know, he got to work remotely from home um, uh, during those months before he got married. And um, so, you know, Marilyn and I have laughed about this and, and not just laugh, but talk very seriously how we're so grateful for that blessing of COVID because it allowed us to spend time together. And, um, and again, talking about rare, but real again, God has just been so faithful to, um, to, to just build into the lives of these young women all these years and to know that there are young women out there who hold fast the faithful word, who want to be b- biblical women, who are not following the feminist mantra of our day, who have respect for men and who look to men for in, in the right way, the way the Bible outlines is their leaders, providers, protectors, defenders, and they see them in that way. And they really do have a heart to be a helper and um, to be a helper suitable for their husbands and um, and that God in his providence allowed them to, to find men or to respond to men who were those kinds of godly men in their lives. And um, so I, it's just been my, um, I don't even know how to describe it, but something that God has, um, I don't know, given me so much... Um, 
peace. I, I, I don't know what word really I'm looking for. You know, it's so interesting doing a podcast because you're just talking conversationally and, and I'm trying to think of the right word to use. Um, but I'm just grateful to the Lord for these women. And the other thing I'm grateful for is the way they love one another. And each one of them are so different. Uh, they're different, but yet they are so, so, but they're alike as well. And I love, they don't even know how much I love seeing them interact with each other and laugh together and appreciate each other and to value one another. Um, I love seeing their children play together and look forward to being together. Um, All of those uh, kinds of things. It's just really been a blessing to see that. So that was one of my goals for this second podcast, a talk from a mom's heart about, you know, uh, her daughter and her daughters-in-law. Of course, I've always said for many years that my favorite topic of conversation topic of conversation outside of the Lord is my children. Um, And so now to have these girls, plural, it's just does this mother's heart um, well. So anyway, I want to kind of close out this podcast um, talking about this. You know, when I was a teenager, my parents were attending the Southern Baptist Convention in Norfolk, Virginia. My dad at that time had decided to bring the whole family and make a vacation out of it. And so we stayed in Virginia Beach. And um, during the day, my brother, my sister and I, and I had another brother, but he was already out of the home. Um, But we went to the beach to lay out in the sun and we would swim while my parents were at the convention. And I remember on one particular morning uh, before my mom left with my dad, she's just, she warned us, she said, there's a strong undertow out there. So I really want y'all to be careful. Do not go in the water today. The undertow will pull you out. And there's, before you even realize it, and there's, and I'm sure the lifeguards will par- probably be plenty of warning signs out there. And of course, we listen, you know, we nod our heads. Okay, we'll be careful. And the beach was really nice that day. It was hard to believe that there was an undertow, that there was any danger at all. Um, and, and I mean, the water even seemed calm. And we saw the flags and there were some warning signs. And there were a few more lifeguards than, than had been the day before. But the water did not look dangerous in the least bit. It just looked really inviting. So my brother and I, we like to go out on our inflatable rafts and we decided to go out for a swim, even though our mother had said, don't go out. It's almost like, it's not like it, you know, we were deliberately disobeying, but we were disobeying. We just went. And so we got our rafts, we rode a few waves, and then we were kind of resting on our rafts. rafts. I kind of, I remember like having my arms draped over the front of it and we were just talking, um, just talking. And the water seemed really peaceful. But then we looked up and my brother happened to say to me, wow, it's, we've really drifted far. Come on, we need to get back in. And he started swimming and said, come on, come on, just start swimming. Come, you know, come, just come on. And I tried. I really did. But I wasn't making any progress. And I was being kind of frantic about it. I was watching my brother go further into the distance, fighting the current. And said, and, and I remember him yelling, just keep moving. But um, I I wasn't making progress. Anyway, I could see people in the distance on the shore. I could see them waving their arms. I could see them signaling to me, but I couldn't get in. I was trying, but nothing was happening. And uh, it seemed kind of hopeless to me, and I was really getting scared, and I started, like, crying. And I didn't mean to drift so far away from the shore, 
And I thought about that many times over the years, how I heard my mother's warning, but I hadn't heeded it. I thought about how I just kind of drifted. I just wasn't really paying attention because the water did seem harmless and playing in the waves was fun. And my brother and I enjoy being together and just talking, but I had drifted so far out and there was no way for me to get in back on my own. And I was really scared. Well, then this guy appeared out there. He's kind of appeared out of nowhere, but he took hold of my raft and he just told me to hold on and he began to swim and he was pulling my raft with him. And I remember asking him, well, how deep is it out here? And he said, doesn't matter how deep it is. It's, it's, it's deep. You just hold on and, and I'll get you in. And so he did. And I thought about him so many times over the years. He didn't owe me anything. It was my fault that I was in this mess. I hadn't listened. But regardless of that, he I just did as I was told. And while he swam, I just hung on. And then we reached a place where the waves were breaking some. And when we got closer to those, he just said, you know, I'm going to let go now. And I'm going to let these waves take you in. You just hold on to that raft. And so I did. And uh, the wave did take me in. And then my raft kind of drifted out from under me. And then I felt this stern hand and kind of some yelling from the lifeguard as he was pulling me up. And he lectured me then on beach safety and all that other kind of stuff. And um, I couldn't find the guy who had brought me in. But, um, you know, I didn't really even think about God's grace in my life at that time. But I stumbled down the beach looking for my sister and my brother. It took me a long time to get down there. But when I found them, they seemed unconcerned. But I instructed them. I said, don't tell mom. Just don't tell her. And uh, but of course, when my mom came home later in the afternoon, back to our condo, she just said, what happened here at 1030 this morning? And I it kind of paralyzed me. And I said, what do you ask? And she said, I just felt like one of y'all was in trouble. So I just start praying. And um, but I've thought about that a lot over the years. You know, of course, when she said that, I felt paralyzed again, like what? And just being a teenager, I didn't think too much about it. But since that time, I've thought a lot about it. And I've thought about that event and and how God protected me and took care of me. But I've also thought about an analogy, how it's like God's word, what God says, his word, that's the shore. God's messengers, God sends messengers like my mother and the lifeguard and the flags and the people on the shore and all the warnings of the danger, trying to tell you not to go out there because the waves are strong, the current's strong, it's going to take you out, calling us back and reprimanding us for not listening. And of course, the philosophies of our day are like the currents. They seem harmless. They even seem fun. How could they hurt us? Remember how we talked about Colossians? It says, you know, don't be fooled by the vain philosophies of this world. Don't let it take you captive. But, you know, because they're fun or they're interesting. And sometimes they even seem relaxing. But they take us out into dangerous water. We find ourselves far away from the shore. But God is there. He's waiting for us to call out to him. He wants to bring us back to the shore. There's safety at the shore. And um, and I think about that so often. God's used that many times in my life because I think about how I was drifting with the current. I wasn't even aware that I was drifting with the current. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't being intentional. I wasn't being discerning. And that's how it is today with so many women out there. They're just drifting. 
They are just, churches are drifting and women are drifting with the culture. They're not staying close to the shore and the shore being the word of God and knowing what the word of God teaches. You know, and and that's what God wants us to be. uh, He wants us to be so rooted and grounded in his word. He wants us close to him. He wants us to know what the word of God teaches. He wants us to stake our lives on it. He wants us to um, be firm in that. And he wants us to be uh, captivated by the true knowledge of of his word. That's what he wants. And that's why he issues those uh, um, commands in Colossians chapter two, when he says, see to it that no one takes you captive by the vain philosophies of this world. He wants us to be intentional. He wants us to know what his word says. He wants us to grow up and be grounded and rooted. And in the day in which we live, it's very rare to be a woman who walks solely and completely with the Lord. But we can be that kind of woman. We can be rare, but we can be real. And we are real when we walk with him. And so I hope um, today's podcast has been an encouragement to you. And I hope the next time on episode three, I'll be joined by one or two or three or, or four girls. We shall see. Let me know. Let me hear from you. I've already uh, been so encouraged by all of you that I have heard from. So uh, I'll be back for the next one soon. If you enjoyed this episode of Rare But Real, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. And share this podcast with friends. Follow Audrey on Instagram and Facebook at Mothering From The Heart. And listen to all her messages on the Search the Scriptures app.